Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and today's episode is brought to you by NetHealth. So if you want to boost your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and increasing referrals, NetHealth's digital marketing solutions has the tools you need to beat the competition. They know you want your clinic to get found, get chosen, and definitely get those five-star reviews on Google. Right now, they have a fun new offer. If you sign up and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they will buy lunch for your office. If you're already using NetHealth Private Practice EMR, be sure to ask about its new integration. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit. And yes, I do use this service and it has made a difference. I went from a couple of pages back on Google to the first page of Google. We're really excited and those reviews are just rolling in. So definitely check them out. Again, that's nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y. Now on to today's episode. If you you can obviously see by the title that we are talking about student loan debt, and how to address that through multiple revenue streams. And to help walk us through that is Dr. F. Scott Field. He is a husband, father, physical therapist, professor, and most recently an Amazon bestselling author. F. Scott is also a business coach and mentor, despite starting his journey as an English major before landing as a physical therapist. He is one of the three co-hosts of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, which aims at breaking down the silos between healthcare professions and trying to find best practices in teaching and learning throughout healthcare academia. His goal is to help at least 222 professors, one from every PT school at the time of publication of his book, and clinicians pay off their student loans quicker by using multiple revenue streams. If he helps some others with terminal degrees or other healthcare clinician, clinicians along the way, then that is a bonus. So like I said, today we're talking about understanding and eliminating student loan debt. So uh, we'll talk about the different types of loans, but mainly talking about how you can create different revenue streams outside of your clinical career in order to help pay down those student loans. So if you are one of the many, many thousands living with uh, a lot of student loan debt, then this is the podcast for you. So thanks to F. Scott, and thank you for listening. Hey, F. Scott, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you on. It's great to see you and to speak with you. Yeah, Karen, thank you so much for having me. I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller here, so this is exciting. I've been waiting to do this for, for quite some time now. Yeah, and I'm happy to have you on. And today we're talking about a topic that is near and dear to many, many physical therapists. And that is we're talking about student loan debt and not only talking about it, but how to maybe understand it a little bit better and how to eliminate it. So let's start with some definitions. And what is the debt to income ratio and how does that affect your student loans? 
Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm not a student loan expert by any means. I'm more of an elimination expert. That's that's where, you know, my specialty comes in. So I've had to learn this stuff too. And, uh, you know, one of the best ways that I've gone about doing this is going to certified financial planners, especially ones who understand student loans and talking through, you know, where I'm at, what, what plan looks like it's going to work for me. What are my plans in the future? What does, you know, my vision look like? Uh, you know, do I want to start a family, buy a house, buy a car? all those things kind of factor in to your big plan. And then from there, you've got to come up with a, a, a foundational blueprint or a roadmap that you're going to follow based on what your student loans are. So the debt to income ratio is, is very simple. You know, it's the amount of student loan debt that you have, right, over your current income, and you just, you know, do the math and divide, right? So realistically, the highest that you would want your debt to income ratio to be is approximately 1.0, one to one, right? So if you had $100,000 worth of student loan debt, you're making $100,000 salary, that's not a terrible debt to income ratio, right? Unfortunately, especially in the field of physical therapy, we're finding that students are graduating with 150, 175, 200,000 plus worth of student loans. And they're coming out and they're getting jobs at 65, 75,000 a year. And those are some pretty risky debt to income ratios, right? Those, are, those get a little heavy because, you know, if, if you don't know anything about it and you, you have all this debt and you've accrued this debt that's just massive, your payments are going to be massive, right? Your student loan payments. If you just do the standard repayment, mine started out at 1700 a month, right? And I only had 140,000 when I graduated and that was with two doctoral degrees. So you know, it, it was one of those things where I, I got a little nervous at one point because I didn't even know that I wanted to use the doctoral degrees the way they were kind of meant to be used. But then I, I kind of settled down, talked to a couple people, both both on the business side of things and on the certified financial planner side of things and created that roadmap. I went from the uh, generic, you know, repayment plan at 1700 a month down to the income driven repayment plan, which uh, for me looked like about 700 a month. And then again, after really doing a deeper dive with the certified financial planner, where I was at in my life and how I was planning on attacking my student loans, we finally got it down on the repay plan or the revised pays you earn plan. And that's about $135 a month. And that stretches it out over 20 years now. So the difference that I'm making between the you know 135 a month and the 700 I was paying, I can now take that and have more liquid assets to do something with, right? I can have more cash in hand to invest or to start a new project or, you know, to make payments on other stuff, you know? So it, it's taken me some time to kind of learn this stuff. And again, like I said, I'm by no means a, a student loan expert, but I am learning through the bumps and the bruises and going through it and being in, in the, the thick of things there. And, and realistically, like I said, the best way to learn about this stuff and what's right for you, because it's going to be different for everybody, is to talk to a certified financial planner that knows about student loans. So that, that would be my, my first recommendation. Yeah. And that is great advice. Great advice. I've been working with a certified financial planner myself, and it really, uh, it's really great to have an outside view of your finances and everything that surrounds them by a professional who can go in and not be emotional about it and not have biases built in because we all have emotions around our money and around our debt and our loans. And so it's great to have that outside perspective. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there, you know, especially when it comes to business and money, 
we tend to be very emotional beings and you really have to be objective when it comes to that. And that was, that was, you know, a big takeaway that I found when, when starting up businesses and, you know, figuring things out, I've had a bunch of deals in the last couple of months kind of crumble and fall through. And it's like, man, that's a bummer. But at the end of the day, you realize it's just business. Like it's not a big deal, not personal, not, you know, can't get emotional and beat up over it. You just got to move on. It's business, you know? Absolutely. It's it, but I mean, it does suck. <laughs> it does. It does. And it's okay to kind of recognize mm-hmm. that, you know, and you can acknowledge mourn it. That. Yeah, exactly. But at the end of the day, okay, it's business. What's my next step? How do I pivot? How do I recover? What comes next? You know, I think that's really what entrepreneurs are doing these days is trying to figure it out, you know, just keep rolling with the punches until they, they get it right. You know, absolutely. And now you spoke a little bit about those different kinds of student loans. And so I'm assuming there are different approaches one can take. Can you speak to that? Yeah. So, you know, again, like I said, I'm not exactly a student loan expert and there's several different kinds of student loans out there. The the biggest thing to, to try to do if possible is not to privatize your loans, right? Try to keep as many of your loans federal as possible because the federal plans are the ones that'll work with you a little bit more. There's a little bit more give to them, right? Uh, you can restructure them a little bit. Like I said, I went from just basic uh, repayment plan to income-driven repayment plan, which is based on you know uh, the amount of, of income that I would make as a new grad uh, down into the revised pay-as-you-earn plan, which like I said, that one kind of starts you at a lower bracket and year over year, as you make a little bit more, it creeps up a little bit, you know? Um, but it also, again, it stretches it out over a longer period of time. So, you know, their, their differences are, are time dependence, you know, how, how quick you have to pay them back. But, you know, things happen like COVID, right? And, and all of a sudden, the federal plans have all kind of stopped. They, they put, a, you know, a pause on them until the new year. So, you know, that's one of the ways that they can give you grace. You can go into a deferment plan if you need a month or two, you know, they'll, they'll work it out with you and they'll tack it on to the end or whatever. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of forgiveness and then at the end, there's a big forgiveness. But with federal loans, you just have a lot more grace, right? Once you privatize the loans, you're stuck. That's it. They are what they are, and you've got to pay them back. There's there's no getting rid of them, right? Because you know, student loans are, are loans that we just we we can't go bankrupt on. We can't you know get out of. They're just going to be there forever until you pay them off. So. You know, it, it, it's super important to recognize the difference between a private loan and, you know, a, a federal loan. So big takeaway there is try to keep as many of your loans federal as possible for as long as possible, because those will have the most options for payoff and forgiveness and forgetting, you know, uh, you know, any sort of programs that are available that may come and go. Right. There's uh, the one program where if you work for a nonprofit for 10 years, right, X amount is forgiven. Now, there's been kickback on that saying that like 99% of people don't get approved for it at the end, they cross the finish line, then all of a sudden, the finish lines moved, right? So, you know, there, there is some fine, fine print, you've got to read there with all these, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, most of the federal loans will give you a certain time period. And as long as you make your payments all along that time period, at the very end, there will be some form of forgiveness. Uh, now, the only caveat with that 
is the way you're forgiven those loans is you get taxed on the amount of forgiveness as if you made that income that year. So, you know, for me, it'll probably be a 20 year repayment plan. At the end of those 20 years, I'll have a hundred thousand dollars left. It'll be forgiven. And then it'll be like, I made that extra hundred thousand on my salary that year. So I get taxed on it. So in those 20 years, I have to come up with some sort of plan to, to save up and to make money to repay that one year when I have that influx in, in salary, even though it wasn't there, it was a loan forgiveness. So just something to think about there too, when you're planning out your loans and, and your repayment plan. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think people realize that you have to pay taxes on that loan that is left. So each year you want to make sure that you're putting money aside and putting money aside so that in, in an account that maybe you can't touch so that when it comes, you're not like, oh my gosh, where right. am I going to get this money from? But you're like, oh, I know exactly where I'm going to get it from because I have this account of money I haven't touched for 20 years. You can pull it out from there. And that can be like, it doesn't have to be a savings account at the bank. Exactly. That could be an account that is actually uh, generating maybe, you know, 4% or something yeah. like that. Right? right. So you're making money on it, especially if your loan is only a like 2.3%. So you could take that money that you would be paying toward that loan, put it into an account that's maybe making, even if you're making 4%, you're still making money on, on that money in there. So that when the time comes to pull it out, to pay your taxes, number one, you're not penalized. So it's not like you're putting into a 401k plan or a, a, an IRA or something like that but just putting it into it, uh, some sort of an account that can make you some money on the way. Exactly. And that's where a certified financial planner comes in yeah. because they can set you up with a savings plan over those 20 years that can get 8, 10, 12%. So you're actually saving a ton more money and you're paying way less when it comes to it. And the, the, you know, the rate, the APR is, is even lower. So I don't, I don't want to throw out a bunch of like, you know, terms and, and, you know, definitions and stuff that are, are just kind of boring and not very sexy, to be honest with you. But we do have to kind of know a little bit about this stuff. You don't have to be an expert. Again, I'm not, but I know enough now I'm educated enough because I took the time to talk to that certified financial planner and figure this out and, and sit there. It only took maybe an hour or two to sit there with them and go through the plan and look at it and say, all right, here's where I am. Here's my goals and plans. Which program's best for me? Okay, great. Let's get on that program. And then, you know, let, now let's figure out how we're going to pay it out, you know? And there's several different ways to do that too, right? You just have mm -hmm. to come up with that number at the end of those 20 years. So how do you want to do that? And, uh, you know, that's where I, my expertise kind of comes in is the elimination part of it, yeah. you know? Yep. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how do you eliminate that debt? And I know one thing that you speak about is having multiple income streams. I'm sure that's part of this conversation, but I'll throw the mic over to you so you can talk about the elimination part. What does that mean? Yeah. So originally when I wrote my book, right, PT Educator Student Debt Eliminator, I thought I could just start a side business or two, right, and make a bunch of money and then throw all that money that I made toward the student loans and pay them off in a year or two and be done. That was my plan. And realistically, I probably could have done that. I probably could have to knock them out in about three to five years total uh, and, and been done. Uh, but that's kind of what the banks want you to do, right? That's what these loan uh, processors want you to do. They want you to pay all your loan off as quick as possible so they get all the money and make all the interest, right? Well, after talking to the certified financial planner, I said, okay, well, if my loans are going to go down from you know 700 a month down to 135 a month, that leaves me a good extra chunk of money that I can do stuff with, right? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And he's like, and truth be told, as long as you're putting your allotted money every month into your 
savings plan or whatever, you know, investment plan, if you will, to pay off that 20th year, you can do anything with the money. Right. So I figured, okay, well, could I invest it in stocks? And he's like, yeah, you could do that. I said, what about crypto? And he said, "Mm -hmm, you could do that. What about real estate? Can I do that? Yeah, absolutely. So that's been kind of my plan is like, okay, let me start a couple of side businesses that generate income and revenue for now so that I can put it toward investments that'll kind of take me on the long term. Right. Um, and, and I think realistically, you know, I, I think almost every millionaire has, has several different streams of revenue. Right. And I think that we need to start thinking about that as soon as we either enter grad school or immediately after we finish grad school, you know, what is our plan for long-term wealth, right? How are we going to take care of ourselves as well as our family, you know, that might not even exist yet, as well as, you know, future generations, you know, we're talking generational wealth here. And it's not like you've got to be a millionaire, right? But, you know, a couple of six-figure incomes, that can help a lot of people, right? I mean, you can take care of a family or two or three down the line, even, you know, making several six figures over the course of many, many years, you know? And then if you invest it, right, you can put it in places like we talked about, like rental properties or something like that, where, you know, once those pay off and the mortgages are done on those in 15 or 20 years, well, now you're going from making two or $300 a month in rent up to you know 18 or 2000 a month per per house right and that's where you get into that generational wealth so you know for me it started out as a simple mobile pt practice right i was by myself in a car with a table and some sheets and a bag with some equipment in it and i was just driving around you know waco texas just kind of helping people in their homes or their offices or their gyms because i knew i could do that i knew i could start that business right i, I had enough expertise in the physical therapy world to be able to to run a a small practice on my own. And I didn't really want to be tied down to the brick and mortar. I didn't want to have a high overhead. I didn't want to do any of that, you know? So I just started my own little business and it started out with a CrossFitter or two, you know, and that was not my demographic. It was just people in the community that I knew that asked if I could help. And so I did. And then luckily one of the uh, women that I worked with, uh, her husband had some shoulder and elbow issues and he was a big tennis player. So she said, do you treat the arm and the, the elbow? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I can do that. So once I, I started talking with him, he's a CEO of a small a business in Waco there. Uh, we got him better. We got him back in the tennis court. He was feeling great. And uh, so then he started referring me to all his other CEO buddies and his COO buddies and C-suite level execs, right? And all these busy businessmen and businesswomen. And it was great because I was, I was selling them time, right? It wasn't so much about the physical therapy or whatever it was. It was, I was buying them back time because I could come to their home or their office or their gym and they love that. Uh, so it was just the right niche for me and the right, you know, they had expendable income, most of them, because they were, you know, own their own business. So it was a really good group to get into and a really good niche to break into. And, uh, you know, word of mouth just spread and that kind of took off. Well, once that kind of happened, I, I really started having to figure out how to like market myself better and how to do some like digital marketing, you know, Facebook ads, Google ads, stuff like that. And uh, I just didn't know that. I didn't have that skill set, you know. And so I had to take a course in that and learn from it and kind of invest in myself. But once I did get better at that, you know, I even took a copywriting course and read a bunch of copywriting books as well. And once I started getting better at that, a bunch of my buddies that I graduated PT school with saw what I was doing with Facebook ads. And they said, hey, could, could you do that for our business? And I was like, 
yeah, I'm sure I could probably figure it out. They said, we'll pay you. And I was like, okay, great. That sounds awesome. You know, and that's where my agency kind of started, right? One of the second pillars of, of revenue for me, uh, you know, I kind of started a, a little bit of a digital marketing agency unintentionally. And uh, so I, I did that for, you know, about a year or so. And, and that even brought me outside of the field of physical therapy as well. I did it for a couple of local businesses, uh, some home renovations, some roofers, some pool builders, stuff like that. And it was really working pretty well. Um, and then, you know, COVID started hitting and things kind of got a little crazy. And uh, I was still working full time in the clinic too. And so with my wife being a type one diabetic and already being immunocompromised, I had to kind of step back from that a little. And uh, I stepped away from the clinical side of things. And that same week, uh, the head of the program at University of St. Augustine emailed me and said, hey, are you still interested in teaching? Because I had spoken to him at the EDD graduation in 2018. And, you know, I said I wasn't, but uh, now it's actually looking like a pretty good option. So uh, I stepped out of clinical work. I, I headed into academia. And while I was doing that, um, you know, it, it really became a good fit for me because, uh, you know, I taught online most of the time and then I had to go up and be there for labs. But it also gave me a lot of free time to work on my side hustles and my, my side businesses, you know, and, and that's kind of how I fell into the consulting gig as well. Like that wasn't something I ever thought I'd be doing either. But I worked for a workman's comp company as well up there in Waco. And I said, hey, we should be educating these businesses to injury prevention and wellness and how to properly lift and ergonomics and all that. And they said, oh, no, we're not going to do that. You know, that's going to eat into our PT numbers. And I said, no, it won't, because I can't stop somebody from running over someone's foot with a, a forklift. It's going to happen. Accidents are going to happen, you know. And they said, well, no, we're not going to do that. So I said, all right, fine, I'll do it myself. You know, and so I just went around to all the companies locally there that were sending us workman's comp people. And I said, hey, would you like to lower your workman's comp numbers? And they were like, yeah, sure. And so I'd go in and I'd educate their workforce. And, you know, you can charge good money for consulting. I mean, I was able to charge, you know, a thousand bucks to fifteen hundred bucks an hour for two hours worth of work. So now it becomes a matter of, okay, do I want to see patients at $200 an hour, which is a pretty fair rate for physical therapy, right? Cash pay at a network, or do I want to work two hours and just, you know, educate these people and use my EDD and my education background combined with my PT background to kind of help them with injury prevention and wellness, right? So again, it's just kind of one of those things that fell into my lap. It wasn't ever something I thought I would do. It just, the opportunities were there and I just kind of seized them. You know, it was like seeing like these opportunities out there and just realizing that, holy cow, this is where I knew I was fine having a PT, you know, a DPT and an EDD, not necessarily wanting to use them, even though now I am, you know, more traditionally, but being able to leverage those degrees into other opportunities. You know, I'm not a huge believer in luck. I kind of feel like you make your, your own luck. You have to work hard and you have to network and leverage, you know, with the right people at the right times about the right things. And then you'll start seeing those opportunities, you know, kind of open up and you have to be ready to jump on those opportunities when they present themselves. So, you know, that's, that's kind of where a lot of these streams of revenue started from. It, it, they just kind of happened, you know, and I fell into them and I got better and better and better at them as I went. And then I was able to help more people with them as well. Yeah. It sounds like you've gone from one to the next, to the next, to the next, which is, which is good. You're sort of keeping yourself open and you're learning and, and understanding like, Hey, I don't know how to do this. So I'm going to educate myself and learn a little bit more and be able to do things that may not be 
at face value what you went to quote unquote school for, but yet they are. Yeah, I mean, we learn so many amazing skill sets throughout grad school, you know, whether it be the DPT program or the EDD program, uh, systems, right, processes, uh, standard operating procedures, things like that, like clinical development and, and, you know, clinical thinking skills, critical thinking skills, all these things that we learn are a lot higher level than a lot of the general public already know and deal with. So we can help by kind of bringing those things down and simplifying them, just like we would talk to a patient, right? If you're using layman's terms, you know, and I think the, the key here is to realize that we have a lot of these skills already. You can keep one foot in the healthcare boat already, or you can diverge and go a different route. And, you know, some of these skill sets you're going to have to learn because not everybody's, you know, born and natural with a lot of these skill sets. And that's okay. I've done that. But it's a good combination of taking as much as you already know and pushing in on that and then adding and supplementing a little bit here and there when you find that you need it. You know, and that's where I think taking courses and paying for mentors and doing all that stuff speeds up your timeline a little bit. You know, and that's why I'm a big believer in it. I've had many coaches and many mentors over the last couple of years, and they've totally sped up my, my timeline and showed me mistakes that they made and made sure I didn't make them, right? You're still going to make your own mistakes. There, a lot of them are going to be different than what your mentors went through, right? That's totally normal. But it's, it's realizing that they're not failures. They're just learning opportunities, you know? And I think we as, as PTs are, are really good at being lifelong learners, and so it really shouldn't be a problem to dive into a skill set you're not familiar with and just, you know, put your ego aside and being like, all right, I don't know this. I need to learn it. Here's a good resource. Here we go. You know, and just keep kind of attacking it until you get it right. You know, and I think at the end of the day, these multiple revenue streams now that are kind of growing are, are great. And I love them. I, I'm very passionate and energized about them. They're definitely like passion projects for me, you know, and zones of genius for me, but uh, it's a good way for me to get an outlet of creativity, I think, because I was an English major before I was a PT, right? So, you know, that to me was, was a big transition in itself, but that's also helped me monetize blogs, monetize my book, right. Monetize, um, SEO and, and, and email sequences and copywriting. So, you know, again, all those things kind of fall into that consulting, uh, revenue stream, but, you know, I had to learn how to adapt that English major into copywriting or into email marketing or whatever it may be, you know, and I think the, the one key takeaway that I've had with all these revenue streams is you've got to do one at a time and you've got to get it flowing. And then you can step onto the next stream of revenue, then get that up and running, then get that flowing and then step onto the next one. And again, you know, if you don't do that, you're going to fall for that shiny object syndrome, right? And you're going to be kind of chasing around. Oh, that looks cool. Oh, that looks cool. I could do that. Oh, I could do that. Oh, that person's doing that. Oh, that looks really good. They all work and you can do all of them for sure, but you've got to get one down first and then move on to the next. And there's going to be, you know, arguments and debates over what number is the right number to walk away from the first one and go on to the second one. I don't think it matters. I really don't just get it up and running, make sure it's making you some money, make sure it's profitable. And then when you're ready, step on to the next project, you're still going to go back to the first one. You know, you're still, who knows, you may even hire somebody to take over that portion for you, you know, but uh, just knowing that there's multiple opportunities out there for physical therapists, for healthcare providers, I think it's a great stepping stone for you to kind of open your mind a little and get out of that nine to five clock in clock out clinician mindset, you know? And where are you now with how many streams of revenue do you have at the moment? And if you could put it in a pie chart, what is, what makes up what? 
Because I think people would really be curious as to, because yeah. you mentioned a whole bunch. So where are you now and what does it look like? And on that note, we'll take a quick break to hear from our sponsor and be right back with F. Scott's answer. When it comes to boosting your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and increasing referrals, NetHealth's digital marketing solutions has the tools you need to beat the competition. They know you want your clinic to get found, get chosen, and definitely get those five-star reviews on Google. NetHealth has a fun new offer. If you sign up and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they will buy lunch for your office. If you're already using NetHealth Private Practice EMR, be sure to ask about its new integration. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit. I, essentially what I teach, you know, all my students, I have what's called the feel good method, right? Which is not just a clever play on my last name. It's also, you know, how I make my students feel good about staying organized with their streams of revenue, right? So there's an umbrella on top and that's your holding company, right? For me, it's feel good industries, PLLC. Texas recommends if you have a professional license that you get a PLLC. It's different mm-hmm. for every state, yeah. but um, you know, doctors, lawyers, dentists, they all have PLLCs, right? So since I started as a mobile clinic, I started as a PLLC. Then underneath that, I had about four or five different revenue streams or tubes of revenue that uh, each of those was a DBA or doing business as underneath the PLLC. Um, Eventually, I'm probably going to have to turn some of those into their own individual LLCs and make the PLLC an actual holding company, but I'm not there yet. So you know, with each stream of revenue, like I said, I have a couple little numbers next to each stream. And and those are the checklist things that you have to get done in order for that stream to start running. So I made a shift recently because of my change in career. Um, You know, like I said, the goal is to to try to, you know, kick the bucket of the nine to five and, and do your own thing, you know, and go all in on entrepreneurship and your own business eventually, right? That's the hope. For me, my story is a little bit different because my wife is a type one diabetic and we need not just medical benefits, but good medical benefits, right? My nine to five might always be there. Um, and I'm okay with that. I've learned how to kind of find the best possible job with the you know best possible benefits uh, and academia has afforded me that right now. So I'm able to do that, you know, at a little bit lower rate of like 32 hours a week instead of maybe 40. Um, and that gives me more time then to work on the businesses. So while I was doing a lot of the mobile PT at first, that's kind of decreased now, because like I said, it, it, it's like, do I want to treat patients for $200 an hour? Or do I want to do consulting at 1500 an hour? Right. So I, I would say overall, you know, I've got the mobile business. I've got my online business at pteducator.com. And then I've got my consulting business, FGI consulting. And those are kind of the three main revenue streams. Now in those revenue streams, there's probably, I don't know, three or four different services, if you will, that are offered. Uh, you know, the consulting can be anything like injury prevention and wellness, because I've got that systemized and I've got templates for that now where I can just come in, do the tour, see what's what, and then put together a presentation overnight. Um, and then that also will have my copywriting. It'll have digital marketing. It'll have, you know, Facebook ads and Google ads. It'll have uh, copywriting, email, all that stuff underneath the consulting. And those I can charge, you know, for just one little piece or put together a package where I'm like, hey, here's what you need. Here's what I recommend. I, you, you can go ahead and do it based on my outline. Or if you need my help, here's my price, right? My fees. Um, and then pteducator.com is just, like I said, my online site where I do a lot of my blogs, um, I have a lot of the courses for sale and stuff like that. 
Um, and that's just really to kind of keep me up to date on my writing and, you know, my, my blogging skills and stuff like that. And just recently uh, passed the, the mark for a thousand subscribers and 4,000 watched hours for YouTube. So I can now monetize that as well. So the vlog cast, which I do one episode a week of an interview with somebody who's done that particular side hustle or side gig starts out on YouTube and then eventually makes it to the podcast in audio form. Uh, and that actually, the podcast hasn't even come out. That'll start September 1st uh, with the first few episodes. I'll probably release three or four on the first one and then do one a week after that. So if you want the new fresh content, you go to YouTube and watch the video. If you want to catch up, you go to the podcasts. Um, but if we're, if we're giving it a breakdown, you know, I would say we're probably at about 60% of consulting at this point and coaching. I kind of put coaching underneath that as well. Um, and then I would say, you know, the, the online business is probably about 30% at this point. And then treatment is just at this point, word of mouth, close family and friends here in the Wimberley area, you know, 10% if that. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I think that's really helpful for people to hear so that they're like, wait, I don't understand how, how is someone doing all of this at one time? Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And, and, and let me make this clear too. So 32 hours a week is still dedicated to my full-time job and, and school, right. right. So that gives me maybe eight hours extra to get to a 40 hour week. And then I work a 50 or 60 hour week. There's, you know, I love that stuff though. I would do that for free if I could all day, every day. Cause that's what gets me excited. You know, the passion projects, helping people figure out a business model, figure, you know, figure out what they can do for side hustles and side gigs. Even if it's just making an extra 500 bucks, you know, a week or something like that, you know, that, that could be huge for somebody who's having to pay 2000 bucks a month for student loans, right. Or 1500 bucks a month for student loans. So if we can figure out a side hustle or a side business to get you started, at least, maybe you grow it big enough to, to the point where you can walk away from that nine to five. And that's great if that's what you want to do, you know, but, but I'm also to the point where I was working 60 or 70 hours a week for someone else and trading time for money. And that just wasn't cutting. So, so I've scaled back. I've been able to, you know, increase my value on certain things and, and, you know, raise the prices on things enough to where I'm working less time and making more money. So it's like PRN rates don't even, you know, don't even cut it for me anymore. It's not even something I would look at. It's just not worth my time because the, the money's nice, right? But the time freedom is really what you're looking for, I think. You know, I think people are are looking to claim back a lot of that time with their family, not having to work weekends, not having to stay, you know, all hours of night at an outpatient clinic doing notes and trying to, you know, stay on top of things. So I know I've been there, man. It, it's, it's a grind. And, uh, you know, it's nice to be able to, to use my EDD and teach and to use my DPT and use that knowledge toward, you know, something as, as trivial as a fantasy football injury course, right? That was one of the first courses I ever made. And then, you know, uh, video gamers, uh, esports. I did an esports ebook on injury prevention for gamers, right? Like that stuff is just fun to me. You know, I love that stuff. And we can use our knowledge to help those people and solve those problems. So why not do that, right? Why not find a hobby or something you like and just go all in on it, you know, and use your knowledge to help people, you know? So that, that's been a big, a big finding for me over the last year or two is just that, you know, you don't have to work as hard, you know, you can scale back, you know, charge what you're worth and make a lot more money in a lot less time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That all makes sense to me. And what would be your, uh, 
so as we kind of come come to a close here, what what is your biggest uh, your most important piece of advice for people listening? If if they could take one, if you were like, oh man, if you just took one thing away from this talk, this would be it. Yeah, I think physical therapy or your profession, your career just has to be the tip of your iceberg, right? I mean, again, like I said, we as physical therapists can do so many things. We can help so many people. And it's like, if I go and treat a patient, you know, one-on-one, that's great. And that one person gets better in that hour, maybe times eight hours a day, there's eight people, right? If you want to have a bigger impact and you want to affect more people, right, then maybe you coach somebody or teach somebody, you know, how to start their own business. And now that person's treating, you know, 50 people a week. So now you're impacting 50 there and the few that you were teaching, then you coach somebody else on something else. And they're helping, you know, 20 businesses, you know, with their patient intake model and they're, you know, they're doing things, you know, at at a higher rate. So now you're helping 20 businesses with 50 patients each. Right. And so I think more impact can come if we realize that we're more than just a physical therapist that goes in and treats eight people a day or 20 people a day or 30 people a day or whatever you're treating. Right. Like we can do so much more and we just need to think outside the box a little bit, you know, and be a little bit more than that nine to five clinician that clocks in and clocks out, you know, and, and again, by having a bigger impact, by helping more people, right. And then coming at it with a servant's heart, money's just a byproduct. You can then take that money and pay off your student loans quicker if you want, or invest in things that are going to make you more money down the line so that you can pay off the student loans. Should you want to do it over a longer period of time? Either way, you know, it's just about opening your eyes and seeing that there's a whole lot more out there than just, you know, going to an outpatient clinic every day and seeing your patients. Excellent. Excellent advice and great takeaway. Now, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you, what you're doing and how to get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. So uh, all of my tags are pretty much at PT Educator on all the social medias. Um, and then the book is on Amazon. It's available in soft cover and in Kindle. It's called PT Educator Student Debt Eliminator, Multiple Streams of Revenue for Healthcare Academicians and Clinicians. Uh, definitely have a second edition coming out pretty soon. So check it out now while you can. You know, I, I'd love to see people hop on the second edition as well, because there are a couple of key changes with all the stuff that's going on nowadays with the uh, cryptocurrencies and, you know, all, all sorts of investing strategies and stuff like that. So I'm still learning, you know, a lifelong learner for sure. Absolutely. And uh, last question, what advice would you give to your younger self knowing where you are now in your life and in your career? Yeah. Don't, don't worry as much, you know, just leverage the heck out of your, your career and your degrees, uh, you know, use them to do what you want to do and what you enjoy doing, you know, leverage the heck out of it. You'll be fine. Excellent. Great advice. I've heard that many times on this show. Um, so F Scott, thanks so much for coming on. This was great. I think you, uh, really gave people a lot to think about and some inspiration on maybe how, they can use their passions and, and think outside the box a little bit. So thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you, Karen. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. And everyone, thanks so much for listening. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. And a big thank you to F. Scott Field for coming onto the podcast and sharing his experience and how he has worked to bring down his student loans through multiple revenue streams. And of course, thanks to NetHealth. So again, 
If you are looking to boost your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and referrals, check out NetHealth Digital Marketing Solutions to get found, get chosen, get those five-star reviews on Google. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit, and they will buy lunch for your office. So a huge thanks to NetHealth. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.